amen. You know, that song got me dancing a little bit. I don't know, I'm Baptist. Am I supposed to dance? I don't know. I know David danced. <laughs> Anyways, um, we, real quick, there's one more announcement that has to be stated here. Uh, Greg and Jade are engaged. Please stand up. <laughs> Woo! Engagements. Exciting. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Be much prayer for you guys. All right, well, let's, um, you know, as I like to do, is always encourage you to read the Word of God. Uh, you know, this week, uh, especially in light of today's message, I highly encourage you to read Psalm 94, verses 17 through 19. Psalm 94, 17 through 19. And just dwell on that, chew on that, especially in, in light of today's world, the way things are going. And just see how God speaks to you. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today asking just for your continual blessing and grace to be placed upon us, Lord. We always need more of your grace. We always need more of your peace. We need more of your blessings in our life. Because God, without, without your blessings, without you in our life, we have absolutely nothing and we amount to nothing. For you are our everything. And we just so are so grateful for that. God, uh, we also ask that you be with the, the churches that are meeting around the world. You be with all the, the missionaries out there doing, doing your work, Lord, that you be with them, encourage them, and all the, even in dangerous places, Lord, that you give them the uh, empowerment by your grace to know that there, is, there are people praying for them right now in this room with whatever's going on, whatever hardships or stress that's going on, whatever marital strife is happening, Lord, to say that we are praying for them whatever worries that are coming about, Lord, to say there, there is at least one church praying for them, but we know there are so many more churches out there praying. And we pray in unity to have your kingdom spread, to have your will be done. God, we ask today that you uh, reveal our sin in our, uh, that we have, Lord, in our hearts. You reveal the sin in our minds. You reveal it to us so we can flee from our sin and turn towards you. To, to grasp upon the cross with empty hands of faith, saying, Oh, Lord, thank you for your mercy and grace. Help us, Lord, to do that. Remove any pride, any worry, any doubt, any, any uh, selfishness, any lust, whatever it may be, Lord, we pray that you reveal it to us so we can be satisfied with your grace, so that we can be filled with love, hope, and peace, so we can continue to live out the faith consistently before you and before others, to say Jesus is enough for me and Jesus is enough for you. Thank you, Lord, for this. And in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I think it is fair to say that uh, division and divisiveness are words that are becoming all too common in our current state of life. Amen? It seems like everyone's just so angry and vindictive about life right now. There are just so many diverging views about everything, and I mean absolutely everything. I mean, anytime you turn on the TV or look at social media, there's always someone angry at someone else about something. Just, just the way it works. And sadly, much of this division has worked its way into our homes, amongst our family, amongst our friends. And it's slowly trying to make its way into the church at large. So how do you fix 
a world that's so messy and so broken and divided? How do you unite people who are so radically opposed to one another? How do you bring unity into your home, how, into your workplace, into your school, and in, even while you're out and about and shopping? How do you keep and protect the church at large to stay united together? Well, there's an answer, and it's the answer that the world does not tell you, and in fact, it does its best to make sure you don't hear it amongst all its confusion, division, and divisiveness. And what is that answer? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only true answer to save this world, to to save your relationships, to save your soul, is the gospel of God's grace that is found in Jesus. That's it. To overcome horrific past, to break through brutal barriers of sinful opinions and emotions, to subdue the the wretched reactions of hate and pride, to transform and redeem sinful lifestyles, to bring true unity to mankind and keep that unity, it must be found in Jesus alone. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nothing else can do that. For he came to be the perfect sacrifice for mankind to restore them to God so they can have a perfect, harmonious, redeemed fellowship with God. And it is through this magnificent relationship between man and God that Christ has established and accomplished by faith in him that mankind can find their unity that they so desperately need. That's not hard to see in today's world. So as Christians, we are to look to the gospel of God's grace as the means to fixing this world and nothing else. We are to look to the gospel of grace as the only means of restoring unity in this world that's so divided. And it is only by looking to the gospel of God's grace that we will protect ourselves from having the division and divisiveness of the world enter our lives or enter our homes or specifically our church. For the world wants us to be divided and not united in Jesus. It wants everyone in this room and all of those watching online to be divided from each other by our opinions on political and social issues so we do not mature in uniting under Jesus so we can further his kingdom and live, uh, further his kingdom in our lives and the world around us. That's what the world wants. This world wants our allegiance to everything else but Christ. Because if we keep our allegiance to Christ and him alone, we will be constantly reminded that the, that the allegiance to him surpasses all else and creates a remarkable unity amongst a world, amongst us. The world does not want us to remember that we have that unity in Jesus. It hates that true unity because the the unity of the church in Christ Jesus reveals to the world that there is hope, there is joy, there is peace, there is forgiveness, and there is grace for all of mankind through faith alone in Jesus and his finished work on our behalf. The world doesn't want you to know that. It doesn't want you to live that. 
So the more that we keep focused then on the gospel of Christ and mature in the gospel more and more every day, this unity will arise amongst us and overflow into the world around us. And that's exactly what the world doesn't want from us. It wants us to stay divided by its self-destructive insanity. But we must keep our eyes upon Jesus and his grace, for he is truly the answer to everything and the only way to overcome anything in our life so we can stay unified as believers and stay unified as a church. And it's this overarching theme that Paul wrote the book of Ephesians with in the mindset. So it's always kind of there in the back through everything that he speaks on. So within this book, which we're going to start to look at, we will see Paul pour out his heart on how to develop and maintain unity in the church in such a diverse world of believers who are sinners. I'm like, I'm like chief of sinners. I'm good at it. I'm not good at a lot of things, but sinning has got that covered. But we must remember, Christ is not just Lord over one group or type of person. But he is Lord over all people who come from all different backgrounds. So all people, no matter who they are or what they have done or what history they have, are all to unite in Christ by faith in him. So today we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and see how Paul approaches, begins this massive topic right from the beginning. So our title today says, Remember Your Calling in Christ. This is how it all begins. So Ephesians 1, verse 1, states this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul identifies himself as an apostle of Christ. Now, not the apostle of Christ, for he was as if he was the one and only. No, he was one of many apostles. There wasn't just the one dude, there was a bunch of them. Now, why, why does that matter that he's stating then that he's this an apostle? Why should we care? Well, an apostle has the highest office a person could have in the church at large. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles. That is the office. The apostle had the highest authority in the church because they were sent as the official representatives of Christ to make sure the message of Christ and his church would be established. And this brings us to our very, very first point. You are to live according to God's word. So, what, so, uh, so uh, through this letter, letter, I'm sorry, so whether through letter or through word, the apostles had this full authority to declare what is and what is not the gospel message of Jesus and what a life looks like that lives in response to that message. Now, why does that matter? Well, it matters because what, Uh, It matters because that means what Paul writes here in this book of Ephesians is the authoritative word of God. It's just as authoritative 
as the words of Christ himself. There's no, well, you know, I just follow what Jesus says in the Gospels and really nothing else because, you know, he, he's, you know, he was Jesus and everything else, eh. No, the apostles were fully authorized ambassadors sent by Christ to speak on his behalf and bring Christ's message to the world in an absolute sense. So when we read Paul's words here, we are reading God's word himself. So everything that Paul's co that covers in this letter, including some mind-bending, twig-snapping, rubber-band-stretching truths in this, in this uh, book, all of it's from the Lord, and all of it must be accepted by faith in the Lord, even the stuff that's hard to wrap our minds around, even the stuff we don't like. We can't just say, well, that's a Paul thing. That's just his opinion. You know, everyone has opinions. They're like armpits. They stink. Not with Scripture. Not with Paul. Not with Peter. Not for any of the apostles. Not with what you have here. It becomes a, it's a God thing. It's a God's truth contained for us in the written word of God. And if we can't, even if we can't fully grasp it or if we're offended by it, we are to accept it by faith in Christ because it's God's word. Paul here is, is saying that what he writes then to them comes from the Lord, which is why he says of Christ Jesus, meaning that Christ was Lord over him he belonged to Christ. Christ was his supreme leader. So his allegiance was to Christ alone and his, gracious and his gracious message above all else. That is all Paul was concerned about in his life. and He was only concerned about serving the Lord and abiding by his will. He was of Christ. Which, on a side note, though the office and the authority of the apostles doesn't exist anymore... Being subject to Christ over our entire life through faith in him, that still very much exists and is very much applicable to you and I. Our submission and allegiance to Christ and his ways is no different than the apostles. We may not have the same authority as they did. We, not, we might not be able to write scripture like they did. But we do have what they wrote down in its finality we have the completed Bible, so we have the same truth as they did. We have the same gospel message in our hands like, uh, like them. So we are to live by this truth and speak this truth to all that we come in contact with, just like they did. For now that we have faith in Christ, our citizenship is in heaven above. For that is our true home. For our resurrected king lives in heaven above. And while we live on this earth, we represent that to all people. So we should live in such a way that reveals to all that God's word has all the answers we need as we live in this hopeless, divided world. Our life should show that God's word, the Bible, which always points back to the gospel message of Jesus and his grace, is sufficient for us and is the answer the world is looking for. For there is glorious, life-changing power in the gospel the more you trust in it. It has the power to radically change people and bring hope to them. And Paul knew this full well of, he, he fully knew that power. 
For he says that he became an apostle of Christ by the will of God. Now, why would that matter? Why does he say, well, that he is an apostle by the will of God? Well, here's the thing. Paul is saying that he has this amazing office of being an apostle of Jesus, not because of anything that he has done. There was no aspiration for him to become an apostle. There was no nomination from men that he should be one. In fact, Paul's credentials would be the farthest thing from becoming an apostle because he wanted to destroy anyone who followed after Christ. In the book of Acts, at the end of chapter 7 and, and at the beginning of chapter 8, you can, uh, it speaks of Paul, who's called Saul, as approving of the murder of Stephen, who was a Christian, and it also speaks of him literally breaking into homes and dragging off followers to be, uh, of Christ to be placed in prison. That's not the exact standards you look for an apostle. So when he says he became an apostle by the will of God, we need to see that he means it. It was solely by the grace of God that he became what he was. For God had... Or this way. For, he, for Paul had this horrid history that was bent on division and divisiveness against innocent people. He had no regard for Christ or his people. But God's grace came to him. Jesus showed up and his life was changed forever. God's grace was greater than his sinful past. Christ's love for Paul was greater than Paul's hatred of him. So in submission to God's will for him and in submission to Christ's commission over him, he became an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was changed by the grace of God to never be the same. For his life was no longer about living in and promoting hate and fear and divisiveness, but one that became about uniting people in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to experience his forgiveness, his love, his peace, his joy, and his grace. Now, why is that important? Why not just say, well, yeah, that's, that was God's will for him to be an apostle. Yeah, so what does that have to do with me? And this brings us to our second point. You can always share Jesus. When Paul met the Lord, he didn't let his past disqualify him from bringing the good news to people. Nor should we. Now, yes, he met Christ face to face on the road to Damascus. Yes, he was given the office of an apostle. But though we have not met Christ face to face, we have met him through faith, through the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And we may not have been given the office of apostle, but we have been given the gift of being children of God through faith in Jesus. So we, like Paul don't have to live in regret of our past mistakes. We, like Paul, don't have to worry about the judgments of people who know our faults and failures. We don't have to worry about such things when we speak of Jesus to those around us or encourage them in his name. As the saying goes, God does not call the qualified. 
He qualifies the call. We, like Paul, can be bold in speaking about God's grace in our life and the hope that his grace gives to all. We can speak of the joy of what Jesus did for sinners such as you and I. So when people point out our flaws, like I'm sure they did with Paul, we can say to all those accusations that that is why Jesus came and died. For we have been saved by grace alone, and so can they. We are empowered by his grace alone, despite our failures, so they too can be empowered by his grace through faith alone in Jesus. We don't have to live in fear of judgment of anyone. We don't have to live in defeat. We don't have to quit life. But we, like Paul, can, ex- can press on to what God has called us to, to live by his grace and reveal that grace to all, even to those who are in the church who we may have issues with because of our past mistakes with them, or they may dislike us because of our disagreements with them, We are to break through those barriers by his grace and engage and encourage them in his grace. And never let anything come between them. The upward call of the gospel message of Jesus is what motivated Paul. It gave him direction. It gave him purpose in this world. And this is the exact same for you and me. We are to bring the message of grace to a broken world so that all can be unified in declaring Jesus is Lord of all. So no matter what is thrown at us, no matter what past event is brought up, no matter how much opposition comes, we wave the banner of Jesus Christ with every step we take and say it is finished in Jesus for his grace is enough for me and is enough for you. Then Paul then transitions from speaking about his identity in Christ to those who are now receiving his letter. And what he says is very remarkable. He continues in verse 1 and says, To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? Paul called those who believe in Christ the Lord as saints. And this brings us to our third and last point. You are set apart from the world. Now when Paul speaks of saints... I'm sure most of us in our modern days, at least our modern day culture, people think of saints as some super spiritual person who has done something extraordinary or is living some extraordinary life above reproach. That for someone to be called a saint, you have to be worthy of being called a saint by doing something. Like being a really good moral person, always making those cookies for your neighbors. But you will see, if you read through the book of Ephesians, these people were far from perfect. And yet Paul still calls them saints. In fact, when Paul wrote this letter from prison, it is generally thought that this letter was to be circulated in all the churches in the region of Asia Minor at the time. And the first place that it was to go to was those at Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. 
because it was one of the most prominent cities of the time, kind of like the, the life source of, of the world. And it was also the place that Paul had really a lot of influence in past years. And you can read about his earlier mission trips there um, in Ephesus if you look at Acts chapter 18 through 20. I encourage you to read it. So why bring this up? Well, you can clearly see that Paul thought all Christians then were saints. For a lot more than just the people in Ephesus were meant to read this letter. And in fact, Paul frequently refers to all Christians as saints in his letters that we have in the New Testament. What you find is that these saints were just normal Christian people who sinned like you and I, who had fears like you and I, who had struggles like you and I. You will find that these saints were not doing exceedingly heroic acts of faith, but were simply just being normal people who trusted in Jesus. They were mothers, they were fathers, they were sons, they were daughters, they were workers, they were friends. These saints were not people who lived in isolation from the world, and as I like to say, died in caves, but were very much living their normal lives amongst the world. So in the Christian context, the word saint just means to be set apart. So these Christians, Paul is saying, have already been set apart from, uh, from the world by God. The set-apartness was not something that they had to obtain or was being obtained by anything they did, but rather it was who they are right now. To be a saint was not based in their goodness or in their badness. To be a saint was not based in their behavior. Now, how's that? Well, Paul says that they are saints because they are faithful in Christ Jesus. What you have here is Paul saying that they have become saints not through any work of their own, but through having faith in Jesus alone. Jesus has obtained their sainthood. Jesus has obtained their set-apartness for them by faith in him. For their performance before God didn't make them saints, and their performance before God could not keep them as saints. It was all Christ's performance that gave them this position of sainthood before God. And that's it. All through faith in Jesus. For the faithful in Christ Jesus just means they were exercising faith in Christ's finished work on their behalf. So guess what? If you have faith in Christ, you too are a saint. Now I know you've probably been called a lot of things in your life and saint probably wasn't one of them. But guess what? You are a saint if you have faith in Jesus. Not because of anything you've done and not because of anything you're going to do, but simply because you have faith in Jesus and his gospel message. That's it. Faith in Jesus, meaning this, that you believe, that you know, that you believe, and that you trust in the gospel message. That is stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 5. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to twelve. Now how freeing is that? To know that it is believing in the gospel message of Jesus Christ is what saves us and makes us saints before God. 
that even with all of our sins, with all of our mess-ups, with all of our failures that are so easily pointed out, that even with all our stupid arguments that just made things worse because we made it way bigger than necessary, that even with our ungrateful hearts and pointless worries before God, that, and all of our wretched thoughts and f- feelings that pop into our hearts, and sometimes we even put there purposely, how freeing and uplifting and burden-breaking is it to know that through faith alone, in Christ's finished work on our behalf, that Christ has done everything for us, and that is how we become saved, and that is how we become a saint of God. He did all the work. You just have to trust. That's it. Psalm 37, verses 23 through 24, says, The steps of man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. See, it is, it is not the quality of our faith that saves us or makes us saints, but it's the object of our faith, which is Christ, only Christ. If we are in him by faith, we have everything that we'll ever need in this world no matter what the world does to us. If we have faith in Jesus, we will always be his saints. Even if our foot may slip and we, will stu- and we stumble and we fall, Christ's death has paid for all of our sin and has united us in him forever. Glory be to his name. And it's that faith that all the saints have in Jesus that unites us all. No matter our background, no matter our faults, no matter our culture, no matter our sins, no matter our politics, no matter our views of social issues, if we have faith in Christ, we are all saints of the Most High and we belong together in Him and we will get along together in Him. And you might say, well, how is that possible? Don't you know how, opinion people, how opinionated people are? Don't you know how judgmental people are? How judgmental they've become lately? You say one thing, you're out! How can we work together? How can we stay united when our world is so divided right now? And Paul gives us the answer at the end of his introduction in verse 2. It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. What you have here is Paul saying that this unity of mankind in Christ is possible and obtainable, but this change that is required to unify us all in Jesus doesn't come from looking within. It doesn't come from our feeble human strength. It doesn't come from our efforts. It doesn't come from our wittiness. The power that brings unity to us comes from looking beyond us and looking to the gospel message. For it is through believing this gospel message that the grace and peace that is required for unifying us and unifying us with those in our lives, unifying us with those around us, unifying us as a church, it all is provided for us from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
God's grace, the unmerited blessings of, and the unconditional loving kindness that breaks through the walls of a sinful heart to bring salvations, salvation to sinners so we can be at peace with God through faith in Jesus is the same grace that will bless us unconditionally and empower us unconditionally to be at peace with those around us, to be gracious with those around us. This is why Paul says grace and peace from God and Christ. They give us their grace and their peace. It doesn't come from you. They are the source. God is the source. The Godhead, the blessed Trinity. Three and one and one and three. The blessed Trinity. It is their grace that empowers us to have their peace, the peace that goes beyond understanding in this world as we deal with one another. So when we feel helpless, when we feel like giving up because of the obstacles that are coming our way and think change can never happen to us or to those around us, when we think that we can't take it anymore and we're at the edge and we're about to snap and that there is no hope, other than giving in to the divisiveness of the world, let us with Paul have great confidence, not in ourselves, but in Christ and his powerful message of the gospel of grace. To remember, as Matthew 19, 26 says, with God all things are possible. For we have a resurrected Savior who has beat sin and beat death and has made us saints through faith in him, so we can have access to his gracious, unlimited power in our life. The resurrection of Jesus proves that Christ can and will provide everything we need to further his kingdom in this world through faith in him alone, so we can be unified in his name. Jesus said in John 13, 35, if you think I'm a crazy person, Jesus said this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And love covers a multitude of sins, covers those disagreements, covers those radical opposing views. By the way we love each other, that's how we show the world Jesus, and that's what the world doesn't want. And he's alive right now to make sure this happens through faith in him by providing you his grace and peace. So keep the faith. Don't give up. Remember your calling in Christ for he is not done with you yet. You are still fulfilling his purpose on this earth. Even if you don't feel like it or see it. And one of those purposes is to help unify his church by pointing to his grace and and peace to all in the church. Keep going, church. We will make it through. Let us go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful, at least I know I'm grateful for this wonderful promise of having your peace and grace in, our, in my life. Lord, this world is really a terrible place. But yet your peace and grace shine through it. Your hand is still working amongst it. And 
The proof is the cross and the effects of the cross of those sitting here in this room, those who are watching online. The, the church at large shows the power of the cross bringing all men together under your name. God, I pray that we always remember our calling in you to know that we can be unified under you. And God, if someone right now doesn't know you, doesn't know that joy, doesn't know that peace, doesn't know that hope, doesn't know that grace, and knows that the hate is so wrong and is so exhausted and, and tired, God, I pray you come to them and you show them that there is a way and his name is Jesus. God, I pray for those who may have been dealing with the world and as Christians and, and are being caught up in the divisiveness, Lord, and they're becoming exhausted themselves, saying, is there a way, is there hope? Lord, remind them of the hope that's in Jesus. Lord, I pray we can be unified under your name, for you are the way, the truth, and the life. And nothing else will ever come close to that. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.